my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. This week we're taking as our theme difficult questions about the church. And today we're asking, abuse in the church, is it real? Today our co-host is Helen Gray. And Helen is actually filling in for Pastor David Butcher, who's having some uh, some well-earned holidays. Helen's the pastoral assistant to the Birdwood Seventh-day Adventist Church. Welcome to you, Helen. Thank you, Gary. It's great to be here. You know, just to prove to all our listeners that this is actually live radio, we've just uh, encountered uh, a really challenging, uh, a really challenging problem because uh, you've only just walked in the door. In fact, I had to play an additional song today. That's why we're starting just a little bit late because you're just running in, you're puffing, there's sweat running down your uh, your brow, and you're looking at me as though I shouldn't have shared this with our listeners. <laughs> well, number one, Gary, it is not good to tell a few little fibbies there. I have just come in. That is true. But I'm not puffing and I'm not perspiring because um, we were actually running very well coming all the way from Birdwood. Now, this is something that you do. I mean, your ministerial uh, workload is really quite something because you actually have up at Birdwood every Wednesday you have a prayer meeting. And a Bible study. And a Bible study group, with group Bible a, a group study. Bible study up at yes. up at Birdwood. Uh, you finish up there at what time? Well, we try to get away by three thirty today. By three yes. thirty, and time to get down here because that's right up in the Adelaide Hills. Absolutely, it must be cold up there today. It was one degree this morning. It was one. De- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit cool. It's a wonderful spot up there. Love yes, our friends up at Birdwood. They're a fantastic uh, group of uh, uh, group of individuals. But brother, does it get cold at this time of the year oh, up there? Oh, but it's beautiful, Gary. Coming coming through and seeing the autumn torn- tonings. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Yeah, yeah. No, that's I, I saw it as we whizzed past. As you whizzed past, <laughs> I hope you were obeying the speed limit the whole we way. We were. We just got stuck with um, road traffic <laughs> on the way, but we're here and we're glad to be here. Welcome. It, it is fantastic to have. You, uh, to have you with us. Look, I'd love to come to our World Watch uh, segment, and uh, I picked up out of today's religion news service an article that really jumped out at me. Uh, the uh, uh, question was asked, uh, want your kids to follow you in faith? Take a page from religious conservatives. Now, increasingly, I'm hearing parents actually say to me, "Hey, look, I'm not going to force religion uh, on my on my children. I'm simply going to allow them to choose whether they want to follow a religion when they grow up." Uh, but of course, that has got huge challenges with it because it means they've had no exposure to something, and then to make a choice about for something which they've had no exposure to becomes a little bit of a a logical. Um, a problem, but this particular article uh, shared uh, shared in this way: the children of religious conservatives retain their faith as adults, 
in part at least because the parents talk to them about God. Now, this is how the uh, the article was uh, was presented. American churches have long been concerned about retaining their young people who have grown up in their pews. Christian denominations, websites and publications are filled with analysis of why young adults leave the church and what pastors, priests and youth group leaders can do to bring them back into the fold. A mountain of research suggests that churches are looking in the wrong place. If they want to understand why young adults do or don't attend church, they should turn their attention away from the church and focus on the childhood home. The strongest influence on any adult's religious practice is in that person's parents. Among the factors that can affect how strongly religious habits are passed down is how close parents are to their children. The better the relationship, the more likely the kids are to carry on in their faith tradition. A recent study I published in the Academic Journal of Sociology of Religion shows another predictor, religious conservatism. Using data from the National Study of Youth and Religion, I found that when parents identify as religious conservatives, their young adult children, and we're talking those in the age 23 to 28, attend church more often and actually report higher levels of faith. Now, of course, we have to ask, what does it actually mean to be a religious conservative? It's the sort of thing we may feel that we naturally understand. Yet, many have trouble putting it into words. The data can't tell us exactly what people mean when they're simply asked whether they're a religious conservative, and it's probably not any one thing, but rather a variety of characteristics. The types of things which most people think of are following the Bible quite literally, Uh, moral, accepting moral absolutes, belief in a personally engaged God and having a desire for religion in the daily life and traditional sexual values to name but a few. But we can answer a little what what religiously conservative parents do differently that promotes stronger transmission. One surprisingly straightforward explanation stood out above all others. It's the frequency of religious discussion at home while children are growing up. For churches, and then came the the real climax of the article, for churches concerned about how to keep younger people in the pews the answer suggested here is actually very simple. Start early and work through the parents. For parents concerned about how to pass religion on to their kids, the answer is make it part of your daily life. You know, Helen, this is almost too simple a prescription. How would you respond to it? Well, I actually agree with what you've been saying thus far. But it's so Uh, simple. It is simple. I think we've got to be very careful, though, Gary. And when we talk about conservatism um, in the religious sector, you can go overboard and sadly can turn the children away. 
Hey, that's now that, that's point. very, very important. It is, it is important and it is one point. Um, but the other side of the, the coin, of course, is that um, you've got to be very careful. Look, if you are a Christian parent, you need to be that Christian parent in the home and out of the home because a child sees hypocrisy straight off. Yeah. And if you're, you're um, out there giving a good example of a Christian outside, but in the home, your language perhaps isn't so good, or, yeah. you know, you're drinking something that perhaps isn't real good, or other things, they pick that up. Yeah. And they pick yeah. it up. And of course, then they start to think, well, what's going on? Yeah. But if you are truly, truly have a wonderful relationship with the Lord, I think it's just, um, I think it's just marvelous to be able from while they, while they're small to introduce the love of Jesus to them. It's I really think the conservative this, has to go with the love of Jesus all the way. It's this relational model, isn't it? Because yes. in fact, if you had a, a parent that is overbearing, in their conservatism, yes. that will actually push the child I've seen it happen. further away. Yeah, I've seen it happen too often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which it's is really sad. However, having said that, there is a text in Scripture that says, train up a child in the way he, he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Even those that have come from a very strict conservative home, quite a number of them will tell you they, they do have that belief in God. They may okay. not want to go to church, but they have that belief in God. So there is still a grounding there, Gary. Yeah. There is yeah, still a grounding. Yeah, and I appreciate that. You know, I'm really conscious that there may be some people listening to us that, in fact, may have grown children who have wandered a long way from Christ. You know, the thing I've discovered is that parenting can become incredibly um, guilt-producing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just conscious, how would you respond to a, to a parent, maybe of an adult child who had wandered a long way from Christ, do you, do you feel that they should load themselves with guilt? How would you respond to that? Well, I think it's a natural progression, isn't it, that you do load yeah. yourself with guilt. Yeah. At the same token, um, we all do things which we regret. Yeah. My, one, of my, one of the things I'd like to counsel on with that is also the fact that, that if you have wandered away and your child is grown, don't throw religion at them when you come back. Yeah. Because I have actually seen that happen with a young person who came to me and said about his dad, he said, oh, he didn't want to know me when I was younger and now all he wants to do is shove the Bible down my throat. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, yeah. and of course, what does that do? It turns the adult child yeah. away. Yeah. yeah. You know, so that, you know, you've got to be so careful on all areas here. At the same token, if that person who has wandered away comes back to the Lord and has, has really, really confessed their sins, knowing that Jesus has forgiven their sins, cleansed them from all unrighteousness, what a fantastic example that can be for a child, an adult child. Yeah. You know, one of the most powerful things that I know that uh, I believe a parent can actually do for their child is actually to pray for them. Oh, you know, amen I, and amen. I, I'm just so conscious that, you know, I know that it's, it's certainly the prayers of my own mother, uh, who, you know, it's a very hard thing when you, when you actually, as a, as a young man, when you're growing up, and you actually, um, realize that your mum is actually praying for you yeah. by, by name, to yeah. actually then wander away, um, and, uh, ignore totally the things which, which she is, is praying for. Yeah. You know, to me, how do you feel, Helen? Is that, well, it's it's interesting you should bring that up because with our first child, I remember a, a dear saint came to me and she said, 
can I give you some advice? I said, sure. She said, bring your child up on your knees. And by that she meant pray for them, yeah. sit the child on the knee and love them. Yeah. If necessary, and in those days you could spank a child, put him over your knee and spank them, <laughs> but you can't do that now, of course. And, and of course, you know, just have that bonding with that child. Yeah. But I yeah. thought that was so good. Pray for the child, get on your knees and pray for them, hug them and yeah. love them, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I valued that. That council. Yeah. I really appreciate what this article was actually saying mm. because sometimes uh, churches, you know, are doing a lot of study saying, hey, what can we do to bring children, to encourage children to, to accept Christ? And uh, the article, it, it's, it's major thesis is mm. that, hey, that all starts and is determined at home mm. rather than at church. Yeah, church has, has its it role, has place. but the home is absolutely key to everything uh, that uh, that a child is going to actually adopt. Can I just bring up one point that you mentioned, which I thought was so critical. It says, make it a part of your daily life. I think they were the words you said. Yeah. And to me, um, that's following Christ's example. Yeah. Because he used examples from nature and from around him. And so many times with a child, um, you know, you can point out something. For for example, you know, we have a lemon tree in the front of our garden. Mm-hmm. And um, it's an amazing lemon tree. It has three different kinds on it. And some of the thorns are bigger than others. But we can use that as an object lesson, mm. you know, and, and talk about just how those lemons are all different. So are people. Mm. Some are sweeter than others and some are sour. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. And who created the lemon tree? Yeah. You know, so there are so many ways we can introduce a child to Jesus through what's around us. Yeah, yeah. No, that's very powerful. Look, let's come to some music. This is uh, Heritage. Love, uh, love what Heritage is singing here. Uh, no more night. Please enjoy.
oceans bow down to see the only sound is the praises to Christ the King slowly the names from the book are read I know the King so there's no need no need to dread That is heritage. No more night. What a day uh, that is going to be. What a fantastic day that will be. Really looking forward uh, to that day. We've got a free gift for you today. Our free gift for you today is the Hidden Truth magazine. This is a beautiful magazine, just 32 pages long. And we it, this magazine reveals to you uh, some of the most uh, amazing truths in Scripture that many people don't even realize are there. Uh, this magazine is put out by Amazing Facts. Now, Amazing Facts is a uh, is a uh, is a ministry, an online ministry uh, that does absolutely amazing things. This is uh, presented by uh, Pastor Doug Doug Batchelor. Uh, if you would like a copy of Amazing uh, of Hidden Truth magazine, uh, please uh, just text us here at the studio. Text us with your your name, your address, your telephone number, and just put in uh, Hidden Truth magazine, so we know exactly which offer your your requesting and uh, text us here at the studio on 04888 808 11 that number again is 04888 
80811 and we'll have that uh, magazine on its way to you uh, this week. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. Today our co-host is Helen Gray. And Helen's the pastoral assistant at the Birdwood uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church. And this week we're taking as our theme, difficult questions concerning uh, the church. And today we're asking, abuse in the church, is it real? This this is a really big one, Helen. You know, I suppose in my 35 uh, years in ministry, this has probably been the one issue that I am so conscious uh, impacts so, has impacted the church in so many different fronts. Over my ministry, I've had to deal with uh, people who are perpetrators. I've had to deal with police and those perpetrators. I've had to deal with uh, victims. I've had to deal with devastated children churches you know historically the church hasn't done real well in dealing with this particular issue now i think we could we certainly acknowledge that this issue is very uh, very very real uh, but what's your experience i mean how would you respond to it you know does it what's the impact on the church how do we respond to it yeah well it's a very big topic yeah. to start with and uh I believe studies now have been done in about 206 countries. Yeah. And every one of them has had abuse in churches. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty horrendous when yeah. you think about it. That's not being Christian. Yeah. That's not what God asks us to do. However, having said that, let's look at the word abuse, Gary. Mm-hmm. You know, we threw, throw that around pretty, um, yeah. you know, casual in, in, in conversations. But what actually defines abuse? As soon as you hear the word abuse, what is the first thing that comes into your mind? I suppose a uh, an individual who's taking uh, real advantage of uh, of somebody else. Well, that's a that's a good definition, but most people, as soon as you say so and so was abused, they immediately think physical. That's true. Yeah, that's domestic true. violence. You immediately think physical. Mm. But I got to tell you, Gary, it's it covers a lot more than just physical. Mm-hmm. You know, and some people aren't even aware that they're the abusers. They're not really aware. There are people that deliberately do it. There are some that don't do it deliberately. But, you know, I looked up several definitions and I found one that I thought was quite simple. It said abuse is defined as any action that intentionally harms or injures another person. Okay. In short, someone who purposefully harms another in any way is committing abuse. And there are many kinds of abuse that are encountered by adults in the church and out. Let me just name them very quickly. Mm. Physical abuse, psychological abuse, rape, sexual assault, verbal abuse, elder abuse, financial abuse, spiritual abuse, emotional abuse. Yeah, and we yeah. could even go on, you know, and quite often you can actually abuse people under a religious guise too, oh, can't absolutely. you? Absolutely, and there are studies that have been done on that too, Gary. Mm-hmm. And but a lot of the, a lot of the abuse in churches, a lot of the abuse is actually emotional abuse. Okay. There's such a thing also as spiritual abuse, by the way, but emotional abuse. Explain that emotional well, abuse. I found I found that really really interesting when I looked at the study. I I couldn't help thinking, oh boy, I know some people that fit into that one. Okay. You know, it's a power. It's a power thing. But, you know, when when we we talk about emotional abuse, we don't look the same way at people as we do physical abuse. 
Okay. It seems like we've got this little scale. It's almost a hierarchy that we've yes, got. You know, yes. at the very top there's the uh, sexual, sexual abuse. abuse and under that then you've got, you know, yeah. violent people yeah. and uh, yeah. but then it, it comes down the scale. That's exactly right. Mm. And look, we can say, oh, well, that's because, you know, this has happened to that person. It does not excuse it. Yeah. Let's let's make sure it does not excuse it. But you know, those who have been emotionally abused generally don't actually realize it until further down the road. Okay. It's not something you pick up straight away and they'll 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 even question whether or not they were really abused. Okay. Because be, most people don't even talk about emotional abuse or spiritual abuse. Mm-hmm. You know, manipulation, you know, it's all abuse. And and the sad part is they're often um, in, a, in a group where others also feel the same. But mm-hmm. Nobody talks about it, Gary. Okay. Nobody so talks about it. I think in, certainly historically that was certainly probably more true than it is today. I mean, are people starting to talk more about these issues now than what they did historically? Um. Yes, I believe that is true. At the same token, people that don't really understand abuse don't believe it happens. Yeah. And they sweep it under a rug. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is and this is one of the things that I'm suppose I'm conscious I'm really conscious of that as a pastor um there are, you know, certainly I've encountered situations in my ministry where a person has actually been involved in a, a an abusive relationship. That's in essence what it was. Yes. But even the family had adopted, had accepted this as normal, normal. behaviour. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And yet, you know, your, what you said before was quite true. Abuse really means control. Yeah. You know, somebody is trying to control another person. Sadly, Gary, it often is the person that a victim knows. Mm -hmm. The difference with being abused outside the church and in the church is that often the abuser comes through to the people in the church, especially if it's deliberate abuse, comes through as though they're Mr. or Mrs. Nice Person. Yeah, yeah. And if the person that is being abused opens their mouth... They're not believed most of the time. Yeah. Um, in my own experience, and you know I've had experience on this myself, yeah. um, it's taught me that I don't judge people. I mm-hmm. counsel a lot of people, but I don't judge people. Someone comes to me and shares that they're being abused. I cannot make a, a um, what is it, the word I want? I can't make a, a definitive statement and say that person is abused, that person's the abuser. Mm. That is not fair. That mm. is not right. None of us knows except God what goes on behind closed doors. My first uh, episode of, not my first episode of me being abused, but me coming across someone who was in an abusive situation sadly had to do with an elder in a church. Mm-hmm. Nice guy. Really nice guy. And I had no idea. This person was a neighbor of mine. Mm-hmm. I had absolutely no idea what was happening. Um, I think it was three or four boys she had. And they, you know, as I said, a neighbor. And I remember one day we were getting fairly close and I rang her work to, to tee up something and she hadn't turned up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tried to ring a phone at home and she didn't answer. And so I walked 
up to her house. And as I got closer, I saw the curtain move. Mm -hmm. So I figured someone was in there. So I knocked on the door and nobody came. And I kept knocking and I was praying, Lord, help me to say whatever it is I need to say. And I was knocking and knocking and and fine. And I'd yelled out in the end. I said, I know you're in there. Open the door. And she opened the door just a little bit, Gary. She was black and blue. Mm. And I just, I knew nothing about abuse. I mean, except that I was abused as a child, but I knew nothing about all this. Mm. And and she finally let me in, and I heard that this nice guy had actually held a gun at her son's head. Wow. That was how abusive it was getting. Mm. And I said to her, why are you staying? Get away from him, mm. you know. She swore me to secrecy. I wasn't allowed to say anything. And, of course, this was probably, just to clarify, this was probably in an era, I mean, uh, you know, some decades ago, um, these issues with issues that weren't talked about. Uh, they were, they tended to be covered up and they weren't acknowledged, uh, certainly in the church or almost anywhere else either for that it matter. It was about 40 years ago. It was in the 80s. Okay. That was my first first um, encounter with someone else and uh, she said you, you, you won't understand okay. do you know what I didn't Gary until I myself became the abused wife mm-hmm. and I now understand why people say silly things Yeah, because when some friends first heard when I, I finally opened up they had my husband on a, such a pedestal mm. and when I finally broke down and um, by the way, I was in pain that day because he had thrown me across the room. I hit the combustion stove on the way down. It fractured my back. Okay. And I, I was going to this study and uh, helping with a study, and I couldn't keep doing it. So I went out the back to the kitchen, and I told the wife what had been happening. And the first thing she said, no, no, absolutely not. Couldn't do that. Could not conceive. Yeah. And then the husband walked and said, what's going on? And she said, you know, so-and-so is abusing uh, Helen. And he walked over to me, put his hand on my shoulder, and he said, you'll get over it. And he walked out. Wow. They had no concept at yeah. all. And it wasn't that they wanted to call me a liar. It's just that they had him on such a – he was so charming. Mm. He was mm. absolutely mm. charming. And this is one of the one of the real challenges because we talk about these days about you know a, a perpetrator might groom children, yes. but it's also possible for a perpetrator to actually groom even older people. Yeah, and and that's true, and it's a mind game thing often with some of yeah. them. I remember the first time that he, he abused me verbally. It was to start with, was two weeks after we got married. I knew this man for three years, Gary. Wow. Never saw anger in him, never saw anything. He actually told me what some people had said about him, and he, he spun such a good yarn. I believed everything that came out of his mouth. Okay. Um, let me jump many years down the, the track, and let me tell you that finally um, some I had um, I, I ended up with some very good counseling, Yeah. Uh, and they tried to tell me that I, I'd married a psychopath, and I wouldn't believe them. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you now to this day, after going through what I've been through and I'm left with PTSD, he was a psychopath. Mm-hmm. I've gone through the studies. Um, but I want to share with the people right now, if someone is going through abuse, Gary, I want to share what's helped me to forgive. And I, I think this is actually really important because what you've done is you've actually experienced this and it's something that you've actually worked your way through an issue that, you know, has been really tough for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, yeah, please. Share, share yeah. with us if what I you may. want. Yes, yeah, if please I may. Do. Um, 
I got to the stage where I actually said to one of our ministers one day, I'm not a Christian today. And he said, what's happened? And I said, this was after my husband died and he hadn't apologized or anything. And I found out later that he couldn't. Mm. He was a psychopath. He couldn't Mm. apologize, even though I nursed him towards the end of his life. What nearly killed me, though, Gary, was, yeah, we went from verbal. Look, every nearly every every abuse that I mentioned on that list, we went through. Okay. And it was horrendous. Mm. And... I and think, he was respected in the church. Oh, yes, very much respected. Okay. Actually, uh, yeah, so much. Anyhow, he even went in front of churches when he was dying and gave a testimony. Wow. And I look back now and I shudder. But anyway, apart from that, I can talk about it now. I couldn't talk about it before. But after he had died, it was, and he's been gone for over 20 years, it was only nine years ago, Gary, that... I thought at that day I was no longer a Christian. Mm -hmm. The poison pill that I was taking, hoping he was going to drop dead Mm -hmm. when he was alive, was killing me. Okay. And I was getting sicker and sicker. Okay. My my younger son had left home. I have not seen him for 20, nearly 24 years now. Mm -hmm. And I found out nine years ago why he left home. And he left home because out of his own mouth, I finally got it out of him, told him I, I would love him no matter what he said to me. We used to be very close. He, um, he blames me that I stayed with my husband. Mm. And I said, what happened? And then I found out that he had been physically abused and sexually abused. Oh. At that point, Gary, I felt a knife in my heart. Mm. I said to this dear pastor later, I said, I'm sorry, but had he been alive, I would have killed him. Mm. I never, ever understood why people would get to the point of killing someone, but at that mo- moment, I would have done anything to pull my son away from it. Wow. I tried to explain to my son I had no idea it was happening, and he couldn't understand why not. And I said they were the same words I asked my mum. The interesting thing is, Gary, that, um, well, the sad thing is he blames me because I stayed. And I've accepted that. Mm. And I know it hurts him. He hasn't had counselling. I've had counselling. Let me share very quickly, though. When I was going through all this, Gary, I needed to forgive. How do you forgive someone who has done unspeakable things to yourself? Yeah. Let alone. To your family. To your family. Yeah. Including animals. He was cruel. He was so cruel. He would throw things at the animals at the walls and Mm. all sorts of things. It was horrible. But, of course, nobody knew that. That was behind closed doors. Anyhow, let me just say, finally, when I I went to hear, God orchestrated the most amazing situation for me to be in, Mm. where I went and I listened to this this, conversation this lady speaking about psychopaths and I had gone with the with with all the experts and had a look and everything and it I just couldn't admit that he was till this lady said to me um, she went through it and in my head I was ticking off every box uh-huh. and at the end of it I said Lord he was a psychopath uh-huh. but she said something that helped me to forgive she said do not call them monsters Mm-hmm. Now, I had virtually said, he was a monster. I lived with him. I helped it to grow because I stayed. Yeah. However, she said, don't call him a monster. Shrink him down to size. I might have mentioned this once before, mm-hmm. Gary. So shrink him down to size and look at him. And all I could think of was, honey, I shrunk the kids. <laughs> and I started to giggle. <laughs> Here I am in this seminar. And I started to giggle because it looked funny. But it took the power away. 
Yeah. That was the yeah. interesting part that I mm. learned. Mm. No longer was he huge in my my head, mm. but it took the power away and he became this tiny little person. And um, she said, now think of them as a human being that carrying a lot of monstrous things they do, mm-hmm. a lot of garbage in the bag. And I th- seriously, Gary, could look at this person and say, yeah, you are a human being, just as I'm a human being. Mm-hmm. And I do things wrong. And God looks at me, and he loves me. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like what I do, but he loves me, Gary. Mm-hmm. And I looked at this shrunken figure, and I thought, you poor, pitiful person. Mm-hmm. God loves you, and so do I. And I feel so, so sorry for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry about all the monstrous things you did. And at that point, Gary, that's when forgiveness started into my heart. Okay. And and the final part of that was when I took it to God and I could see one day in my home, like my father, an abuser, and my late husband, who was an abuser, sitting at a table. And I remember looking at them in my mind's eye and saying, God, I don't want to go to heaven if they're in heaven. Mm. Because both of them declared that, you know, they had given their heart to God. Yeah. I now doubt it with my psychopathic yes, yes, late yes. husband. I don't doubt it with my father, but... Who knows? Mm-hmm. And and it was like God let me cry it all out and then finally say, those people in heaven are different. They're changed. Mm. You know, God is a wonderful God. He mm. is waiting for us to come to him. I have got to tell you now that he has given me life more abundantly. Why am I talking about it tonight, though? I'm talking about it, Gary, because Scripture says, when you, and I'm paraphrasing, when you have been through all these trials and tribulations, mm. comfort one another. Mm. I praise God he took me through it. I didn't like it, mm. but I praise him he took me through it. I now understand what I did not understand before. And I don't expect people that have been through abuse to understand that. Mm. I've never been through abuse, I should say. Yeah. But I'm sure there is someone out there that, that has actually been through it. Yeah, and, yeah. And no, look, I really appreciate what you – and since then you've actually trained in the counselling uh, field mm. field as well and you've mm. been able to help quite a few people. Helen, look, we're going to come back to it again in yes. a moment. But look, let's just come to some uh, uh, some music right now. This is Christian Badal, uh, Find Us Faithful. We're pilgrims on the journey of the narrow road And those who Gone before us, line the way, cheering on the faithful, encouraging the weary. Their lives a stirring testament to God's sustaining grace. Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us run the race, not only for the prize, but as those who've gone before us, let us leave to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passed on through godly
and dreams have come and gone And our children sift through all we've left behind May the clues that they discover And the memories they uncover Become the light that leads them To the road we each must find Oh, may all who come behind us Find us faithful May the fire of our devotion Light their way May the footprints that we Christian Badal, find us faithful. Uh, what a prayer uh, that uh, that he prays there. Uh, our free gift for you today again is the Hidden Truth magazine. This is a beautiful magazine put together by the Amazing Facts organisation. Uh, you'll really love Hidden Truth magazine. If you'd like your own copy of Hidden Truth magazine, uh, then please uh, send your name, your address, uh, and your your telephone number uh, to our text number here. Just text that information with the title uh, of this magazine, Hidden Truth Magazine, so we know exactly what magazine you're referring to. Uh, just text that to 04888-80811. That number again is 04888-80811. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. Today our co-host is Helen Gray, and Helen is pastoral assistant at the Birdwood Seventh-day Adventist Church. This week we're taking as our theme... Difficult questions about the church. And today we're asking abuse in the church. Is it real? Helen, what you've been sharing is incredibly powerful. I really appreciate what it is that you've been sharing. Now, I'm conscious that our time is starting to run away uh, from us. We've got about five or six, uh, six minutes. But look, I'm just wondering, if a person has faced an abusive situation or they know somebody who has... What should they do? I mean, you basically have worked through the issues that you encountered over many decades now. I mean, what should a person do? How do they start to process? Where do they go to? Okay, first of all, we need to to make sure that when confronting, we're not doing it because we are angry. Okay. We are not doing it because we are bitter. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. We're doing it because we want to save. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very critical because it's too easy to get on the bandwagon and bash people over the head. Mm-hmm. That's not going to help anybody. I think, number one, if someone if someone is under an abusive situation, please, if they come to you, don't turn them away. Okay. Listen to them. Yeah. Um, direct them. There's many places. There's Lifeline um, that we can ring. There's yeah. um, Cope. Yeah. We can ring. Um, there are there are numerous places that we can ring. And if you don't want to ring someone, try talking to your doctor. Although I must confess, my doctor didn't believe me when I spoke to him. Yeah. Although he does now. Um, don't be harsh on people if you're being abused. Don't be harsh on others that they don't understand. Yeah, yeah. Because they have a you know, I, I, issues. I, I remember, you know, a couple of times in my ministry, I actually had to refer people and say, "Hey, look, I want you to go and have a talk to the police." Yes. You know, I mean, is, is that something that? Yeah. Yeah. Look, I'm a great, when it gets to, I mean, any abuse is, is not acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care what kind of abuse. It is not acceptable. It's someone trying to get control of someone else. That is not how God created us. He created man and woman to walk side by side. You know, and the first thing, of course, you know, you think about husbands and wives and you say, what does the Bible say about that? I think you could give us an idea of that one, Gary. What does the Bible say about husbands? What should they do? Ah, the husbands are called to love their wives. Absolutely. Yeah. Love their wives and never treat them harshly. Mm. And, of course, the other side of the coin is they need to love their wives as Christ loves the church. That's an, that's an, a powerful analogy, isn't it? You know, yeah. because when you consider what Christ actually did for the church in laying his life down for the church and husbands are called to love their wives and yes. wives their husbands in the same Amen. way. Amen. Thank you for saying you know, that. This yep. is, uh, mm-hmm. this is really a powerful analogy that I'd suggest you can't actually get anywhere else. No. No, you can't. You said about coming if someone comes to you and says, you know, I'm being abused, prayer. Prayer is so essential. And confidence as well. People need to be able to trust you. I had a lady the other day, and uh, I'm not mentioning where she is or um, her name or anything because it is confidential. But she herself um, was on the point of suicide. Okay. Because of what was happening. And I was given her name, and I rang her, and I listened to her story. Mm. And I couldn't believe how similar. Yeah. It was to my own. Okay. And I said to her, I said, I feel this is a God appointment that we've got here. Yeah. And because I had walked that way, she knew that I understood what she was saying. Mm. Praise God she's alive, mm. you mm. know, and she's trying to rebuild her life. Mm. I think we must not judge people. Yeah. I yeah. had so many people judge me in the church, Gary. Yeah. In yeah. the, it split the church. Yeah, yeah. I was the bad person in their yeah. eyes, you know. That's pretty hard to cope with. Yeah. And and this happens too often. I'm, mine is not an isolated case. I wish it was, Gary. I wish that we had a church where people were united, so in love with the Lord, and and took the God's promises. You know, like one John one nine: If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah. Nothing is too hard for God. Yeah, yeah, absolutely nothing. And, and, but, and yet, and yet, surely there needs to be some accountability at some point. Oh, absolutely. And if not now, it'll certainly be when the Lord comes. Yeah. But yeah, I agree with you totally there. And and for those people that are going through this abuse, quite often you lose your identity. Mm. You know, you're fearful. You don't know where to turn. Yeah. 
if you can find a a a good solid christian person that has a relationship with lord talk to them yeah talk yeah. to them that is so so critical yeah. don't bear it alone yeah often and i found that person is often of the same sex too yes it, it, absolutely it, i think that's important because the man or the woman it's vulnerable yeah and yeah. I've seen that go haywire as yeah. well, Gary. Yeah. But I want you to remember that the Lord ultimately knows everything. And we cry out and we say, why, Lord? Mm-hmm. Now I say, why not? Yeah. Because I can help other people so much. Yeah. But, you know, there are so many wonderful promises in Scripture. And, you know, I'm thinking of Psalm 145, 14. It says, the Lord upholds all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. To me, that's an abusive situation. Someone yeah. has fallen but wanted to show control. Mm-hmm. And the other person is bowed down. But you know, the Lord will uphold us. He will take us through all that. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up the wounds. Yeah. Gary, I would not be here talking to you without, if I didn't have the Lord in my life. And every day, I thank him for his blessing. It's his agenda, whoever he wants me to talk to. And look, if there is someone here, Adelaide is where I live. Yeah. But, you know, if someone desperately wants to talk to someone who's been through it, Gary, I will make myself available. Yeah. They can ring into this station. Yeah, that tech, uh, maybe they can text yes. in and just they simply can text in. they can text in to uh, uh, maybe our Faith FM uh, text mm-hmm. uh, number, which is oh four triple eight eight oh eight eleven. If if you'd like to uh, to talk to Helen and uh, and we can uh, we can refer you then uh, to uh, uh, to Helen. So that number yeah. again is oh four triple eight. Eight oh eight eleven. Thank you, Gary. At the same token, if if someone's situation is too hard for me, I will refer them on yes. with their permission. The only person I will talk to about what they share with me confidentially is my Father in heaven. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. that's and and the thing that I think that really stands out to me with about your experience, Helen, is that it's taken a long. It's been a long process yes. to get you from where you were in an abusive situation through to uh, through to today, yes. and yet to me the positive outcome is that it's possible to come out the other end. Amen and amen. Yeah, and, absolutely. And to me, that yeah. that really screams at me because so often people sort of think, hey, you know, I'm in this situation, but I can't actually make it out to the other end. Yeah. Out with the over time, with the right process, yes. it is actually possible, is possible. to God, come out the other possible. end. With God, all things are possible. Yeah, Gary. yeah. With God, Helen. Look, I'm just wondering. Would you yes. like to just pray to for go. anybody who might be struggling with yes. this particular issue right now? Yeah, let's pray. That's great. Thank you, loving Heavenly Father, for the opportunity of sharing tonight. But thank you that you shared your love with us first, that you shared your son with us who died for us, who died for all the sins of this world. I pray, Father, that there will be times that people will will stop and think about the relationship that they're having. And you can put that relationship into the right order. We know that. 1 Corinthians 13, the love relationship, Lord, may that be something that these husbands and wives who have had this abuse between them, may that become real in their life as they study those words. Father, there are some that aren't even aware of their abuse to start with. Please open their eyes. We pray for those perpetrators, Lord, that have lost their way to the point where they want to control everything and everybody. And there is a reason behind that. It does not excuse it, Father. Please, please touch their hearts mightily 
that they will repent of what they're doing. Lord, we don't know what starts people along this track. I don't know why people become psychopaths, Lord. And thank you that not everybody is. But, Father, I pray that you will help them. I pray especially, Lord, you'll help those that are feeling weak, those that have lost their identity, those that are feeling as though they're alone in an abusive situation, perhaps with or without children. Father, be very close to them. Open up their eyes to see that there is a way through this and out of this. And Father, may something or someone come into their life that will stop this abuse. Mm. Lord, we need to be aware. We need to be ready to help people where we are. Give us the wisdom, Father, to know how to deal with each other. Give us the love of yours in our hearts that we will show your love to each other. And Father, I just pray that our eyes will show compassion no matter what. I pray, Lord, that the sin will finish soon, and it is sinful, Lord, and it just comes back down to the first sin. Father, please forgive each one that are perpetrators now. And Lord, I pray for the time when you come in the clouds of heaven and all will be right. I pray, Lord, for all those in the abusive situation that they can come to know you and love you. And just as you've allowed me to come to this point in my life of living life more abundantly with you, I pray they can experience that too. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity. Thank you, Lord, for guiding us, for leading us. And pray, Lord, that all that we do and say will bring honor and glory and praise to you and you alone in thy name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Helen Gray on Drive Time, big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when both of us are going combine again to talk about another difficult question. We look at church members in conflict. Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. Please enjoy Kathleen Canelli, Micah 6 8. For he has shown thee, O man, what is good and his right plan. Let this be our desire To do justly To love mercy To walk humbly
just leave